We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's a put an offer in you pull an offer out you put an offer in and you shake it all about you try to re-sign ramsey then you let him go for free that's what we're gonna see hey this is the arsenal vision post-match podcast my name is elliot smith and you can block me on twitter yankee gunner that's right we're going to talk a little bit about the news this just in aaron ramsey has been told he can fuck off that's not really what's happened but we will um we will parse it We'll discuss it. We'll analyze it. We may even bring some insight to the debate, but I strongly doubt it because I am joined by Paul. You can find him on Twitter at Pause. No, my pants. Hello, Pause. Woohoo! You put an offer in. You, you put, put an, an offer, offer out. out. You put an offer in. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm also joined by Tim. You can find him on Twitter at Stilberto. Hello, Tim. Hello there. Hello there, I indeed. Ab- yeah. Absolutely won't sing. No, thank you. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the listener is also begging me not to, but you know what I did? It's too late. It can't be unheard. Clive is here. You can find him on Twitter at Clive P A F C Clive. I'm I'm guessing you could do a good Barry white. Uh, I can. I'm much better when I'm out of my head drink drinking. So uh, I'm going to do it now. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Well, look, I am thrilled to have you gentlemen here and here's what I think we should do. There was a game played and this is a post match podcast, at least in name. I think we should talk about the match. That way, people will listen long enough to hear what we have to say about Aaron Ramsey, and then we'll touch on what we expect to see this weekend. But we're going to start in a different place. Tim. Yes. How fucking awesome is season three of the Jose story? Like, this, this, <laughs> this show is awesome. It never disappoints. How much are you enjoying season three? Yeah, yeah, I'm really enjoying it, actually. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm actually ever so slightly surprised. I, I thought that the um, the kind of rumors of demise were a little bit hammed up because of this whole like 
season three thing but the the kind of good thing about this is we haven't even had to have like season one and season two where like supposedly they're meant to be quite good for Mourinho and Man United he's just like basically what he's done is he's just kind of ramped up season three season on season if that makes sense so it's sort of been like a season a season two and three quarters a season two and five eighths and a season three yeah it's (laughs) like naked gun 33 and a third or something it's like and uh, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely loving it because um, he's decided once again to take on the biggest player and the biggest personality in the club because he's a prick, and um, that's what pricks do. They they want to fight the biggest guy in the room because they're pricks. And Jose Mourinho has always been a prick, and he's always done this. And uh, but it, you, you know, it all used to be dressed up like, oh, he's the master psychologist, and he wasn't. He was just a prick. The difference is everyone knows he's a prick now. And um, he's, I think, quite deliberately, just because he's one of those guys that likes to watch the world burn, he's like, I'm going to pick a completely, like, internecine fight that I can't possibly win just for the fuck of it. Um, And, you know, listen, but, like, Pogba's not blameless in this whole thing. He's not playing particularly well, and he's... um, you know, I think he's around. nearly blameless, to be fair. <laughs> you know, I mean, is he doing he, anything worse than Alexis Sanchez, who's just eating 600,000 pounds a week? No, and- no, but Alexis Sanchez isn't going in the press and, you know, being all snidey and snipey and giving it the big I am. He's kind of staying quite quiet, which is what Alexis Sanchez does. He doesn't really talk to the fair. media or anyone, actually, other than his dogs. But... Um, but uh, this is great for me because, to be honest, um, I, I don't think uh, Mourinho or Pogba are worth a shit to Man United, quite frankly. Pogba just does not fit in that team. Um, I, I'm not sure he really fits at a club like that. Um, and Mourinho is absolutely toxic garbage for them. So I don't really care who wins because um, I think they're both... Um, to varying degree. Well, I wouldn't say Pogba's poison, but um, he's he's just. I just don't see. If that you can he fits win a World Cup with him as the central figure of your team, um, and if Juventus can be as good as Juventus were with him at the center of the team, I think it's a little bit maybe overstating it to suggest that United can't thrive with him in the team. I mean, I, I certainly think it's more on Mourinho. I mean, is it? Is yeah, it me or it, am I crazy? It, it, it probably is, but at the same time, even at Juventus, like Pogba's a moments player. Pogba could be, uh, for my money, a lot better than he is. And that's not to say shit, he's not. He's very, 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 very good. Um, I think he could be better, but I, th- I think he's just like a bit of a moments player. And um, the the problem United have got is that they've they've really gone all in on this. We're not a football club anymore. We're a brand. We're a business. We're show business. And uh, whoever's idea it was to have Paul Pogba and Alexis Sanchez in the same team, two players who are you know really good but complete individuals who demand complete freedom from any structure. I mean, whoever's fucking idea that. That was, you know any other club with players genius. like that in their squad, by the, the way? <laughs> that ring any yes, bells? and and look look how it's gone for them. <laughs> fair, fair point. Um, so yeah, I you know I I I I hope they both keep um, boxing at each other, and uh, I you know because for me, whatever happens, it's a double knockout. Clive, are you are you ready for the Ramsey Pogba switch? I mean, where do you think Pogba fits into our system, and how will Emery use him? <laughs> I don't know. They they've got similar problems, right? They um, 
Well, I, I think Pogba has a Mourinho problem, personally. Yeah, but. he. But from a footballing perspective, just to, to clarify, people struggle to see them and struggle to see where they fit in. And the views on the player that they are are completely polarizing and different, you know. And um, we people have a view on what Pogba is. Is he a second midfielder, a third midfielder? Does he need to be free? And there's the questions about, you know, we've got to get the best out of Pogba. But people don't know how to do it. You know, Juventus had him on the left of a three in midfield in a V. That seemed to work. But again, he's one of, he's one of those players, much like Ramsey. Is he a third midfielder? Is he a second midfielder? Do you reduce his, uh, his ability? Uh, if for me, he's just a. I agree with Tim 100%. He's a, he's a moments player, and he's one of those players that you need to get into areas of the pitch where he can do something special and either feed the ball to somebody else by a move or a, a dribble or something instinctive, or do something himself and finish. He's slightly different to Ramsey, where he's uh, a little bit more positionally disciplined, and he tends to come onto the ball but they are they, they provide similar problems and on how they're defined and if you move them away from a specific system they become less of a player i would maybe add Deli ali into that into that scenario play him at the tottenham system where he is what emery was trying to do with ramsey a presser a second striker a 10 you might put him in the england system where he's one of two eights and we spend the whole summer moaning about him is the player bad or just just the system not quite fit them Right. So for me, Pogba's a talent. Uh, I think he's fantastic. Um, you just got to know how to use him and how to deploy him. And I think Mourinho doesn't know how to do that. No, do that. <laughs> I'm not sure he knows much of anything anymore. And I, I don't think he wants to because it makes him he makes him a bigger star than him. And I don't think that's what he's all about. Yeah, that's fair. Paul, final, final thoughts on Mourinho. How much did you enjoy? Which did you enjoy more? The post-match presser after the, the Derby defeat or... The uh, the training ground bust up with Pogba. Uh, the video was great because it was authentic. <laughs> um, it was just, uh, I guess it was all authentic. But that, that was, you, you really felt you were getting a view into the soul of that squad at that moment. Um, I just think, uh, you know, these guys should take some time to see if they can work things out. A lot of time. A lot and a lot of time. Years. There must be a solution. Yeah, yes, years. Years, yeah. Years, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, Jose just doesn't... This is what I'm amazed at. I think we all maybe predicted this. I certainly spent quite a bit of time predicting this. I I didn't actually think my predictions would be this nailed on, but maybe it was just this obvious. I mean, it's just, this is everything I, and I think everybody, predicted Jose would do at United, and it's going better than I thought. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's yep. it's wonderful. Now even this horse Slow thinks he's train being crash. He's, yeah. he's being beaten too much. So let's let's move on. Uh, I'll stay with you, Paul, uh, for reasons oh, that do. I can't fully articulate. Do, do. Um, <laughs> let's start with a stock watch after the Brentford game. Ooh. Give me give me a player whose stock is rising and a player whose stock is falling. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, right, quick. I'm just thinking around my. So, all right, I'm going to go with. Uh, oh, I, 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 there's four, five really good ones, but I'm going to go with the Wobi. Um, I thought he was is doing he, what rising or falling? <laughs> I assume he, rising. Uh, yeah. Rising. Yeah. Uh, now I know the problem with all of these is you got to caveat all, caveat it all with it's only Brentford lads. But I thought his energy levels drove us forward for the 
the 70 of the 90 minutes we were actually driving forward, not the 20 minutes we weren't. And the other thing I was particularly impressed with, apart from how lively and and switched on he was, was the work rate, because he worked his socks off for the first 50 or 60 minutes and kept going. He was a 90-minute player. There was one play in which, I mean, he was nominally on the, well, he was on the left, and he ended up covering back to the right-back position to make sure we didn't drop from 2-1 to 2-2 at one point. Um, so maybe not the hugest stock move ever seen in in, in uh, stock market history on the basis that, um, you know, he, he's reasonably well regarded at the moment. But for me, this was a bit of a breakout game because of the level of energy he displayed throughout and how fit and athletic he looked for the whole thing. And yeah, you can say it was only Brentford, but that, didn't change the amount of running and the liveliness of it. And so, to be fair, it, it's his second yeah. consecutive good performance coming off the Vorskla performance where he yeah, was yeah. excellent as well. And, um, and who, we who's need falling? that. We need that from that player. Well, we, we um, need something on the wings, definitely. Yeah, and who's yeah, falling? Yeah, exactly. So I thought that was big. Falling. Yeah. yeah. So, someone wanted to jump in there. Was yeah, it Tim? Sorry, I was I was just going to yeah. jump in really quickly please on Awobi and say um, I don't know if you listen to the Totally Football Show. Um, it's another football podcast, not as good as ours. Um, but Michael Cox was on it today, and he was saying um, that he thinks Awobi should start for Arsenal. Um, it's quite interesting because we've been talking about Mkhitaryan because he's the wide player who brings us balance. But um, yeah, I mean Michael Cox was making that kind of argument. Um, but saying Iwobi, uh, that he felt Iwobi had been really impressive. And when you look at the fact that we've lost Walcott, Chamberlain, Alexis, that Iwobi actually brings us something that nobody else does. So I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, and, and if you're looking for the uh, Totally Football podcast, you can find it at patreon.com forward slash Arsenal Vision podcast. Um, so, Paul, uh, who's <laughs> following? Um not because he was terrible or even had a bad game. He he'd a bit of a mixed bag, but I'll go with Rob Holding because he was the guy with the biggest opportunity, let's be honest, of breaking out and into the starting lineup. The Emery kind of greased the skids for him. I feel like you're going to uh, get the hate mail for this for this opinion. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's, like I said, it's not that he didn't have a, a – that he had a bad game. I think he looked a bit agricultural at times, especially with his passing upfield and some of his decision making. Well, that time Overall, he pulled I, a carrot out of the penalty spot was particularly agricultural. Yeah, it was. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. It's agricultural. Um, agriculture. Get it? It was an agriculture joke. Come on. Yeah, unfortunately, I did get it. I, okay. I'm trying to trying to save you here, Elliot, but you're not helping. <laughs> There's <laughs> no saving me. Just 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 look at the comments after my last Lacazette Obama uh, Yang screed. <laughs> Um, so because it's a lost, a, a missed opportunity, I thought he was overall good and he was part of, uh, the Emery ball goal that, uh, was goal number two for us. Uh, I don't know if you know, know this, I'm in the video business now getting the clicks and the likes. Oh, it's great. Um, but, uh, you know, he did play a significant <laughs> role getting that started. I thought he did a lot of good things, but had he looked the sophisticated ball player from the back, he would have really been piling on the pressure to Mustafi. And so he had a fairly good game that could have, that was an opportunity for him to have a great game. Yeah, uh, well said. Uh, Clive, I've got a, a very, very special question picked out just for you, but I'm going to go to Tim for a second first. Tim, well, let, let me give you a chance to answer that. I mean, do you agree with Paul? I mean, has has Holding made an argument in his past couple of starts and, and deputizing for the injured Socrates at the end of the last uh, league game for maybe replacing Mustafi and getting getting a chance to start alongside Socrates, or was this not a good enough performance to warrant that? I, I don't think this was quite good enough to warrant that, but he's clearly 
put the question mark there. Now, obviously, Socrates got the injury um, the other, and it, and it sounds like he's going to be back for Saturday. But um, Emery mentioned it, didn't he? He he kind of singled him out pre-match um, as someone who had a big chance. Um, and and that's quite interesting. Um, I mean, to get it, it past Mustafi, like... you don't have to be Maldini. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> no, Mustafi no, had no. another bout of vertigo in this game as well. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Um, and I, you know, they they went they went for another centre half, didn't they, this summer? And you know, uh, the, that's probably more likely because um, you know Mavropanos is is one of our four centre halves, and and he's really lacking in experience, but. Um, yeah, de- like definitely uh, Hol- Holding was someone that Emery singled out before the game and mentioned and said that, you know, he had a big chance. And that's that, that's literally quite telling. I think you take that at face value. Yeah. OK, well, last little yeah. bit. I mean, is there is there someone who did impress you then in, in this game? I mean, let, let me ask you about Smith Rowe mm. real quick, because I thought. He he was unlucky to maybe not get a goal or an assist on that one beautiful break. He showed more pace than I thought, and I just thought his running and his movement was really exciting. But it did have a whiff of the Carabao <coughs> Cup performance off it that you might remember from like the mm-hmm. likes of Carlos Vela or um, there was another midfielder who wound up down the leagues whose name I can't remember th- at the moment. Um, in that, it was filled with energy and running. It's I the guy he, you can never remember, isn't it? It's that guy. It's that exact guy. Um, <laughs> I've- I've heard this before from you. This is the guy that ended up in the leagues. I think he had a double-barreled last name, too. Anyway, point is, I mean, do do you think Smith Rowe um, impressed in a way that brings him closer to to first-team reckoning or impressed in the way that our youth in the past have in the Carabao Cup? Uh, I I don't think he's done his uh, his cause any harm. I, th- I think he looked. Um, I mean, it was it was. I thought it was a fairly unremarkable seven out of ten performance, which in many ways is is quite enthusing for someone, you know, who hasn't even really played much under twenty one football. Um, he's come straight from the under eighteens. He's you know he's not skipping the under twenty one level because that, that's where he's playing this season. But you know he he hasn't had a lot of games at that level. So uh, for him to just come in and do like a seven out of 10 job, because I think sometimes you can get, you know, young players who give you the kind of right. This is the game of my life. I'm going to give you like the and we've seen that before plenty of times, haven't we? In this competition, as you alluded to, you get like this is the game of my life. Um, I'm going to give you like eight, nine out of 10. And then that's all you'll ever see of me. Whereas I don't know, Smith Rowe looked a little bit more like um I wouldn't. I wouldn't go as far to say as he belonged, but that he, yeah. he, he, he felt like this isn't going to be my only chance. Like I'm, I'm going to get there. And, you know, not, not with like a sense of complacency, but um, yeah, I, th- this isn't going to be my only shot at the first team. I'm, I'm comfortable with the fact that um, I'll, I'll play again, which. Uh, which I think is great credit to him. I, I mean, I think the person whose stock rose the most, though, to be quite honest, was Danny Welbeck, um, mm. and not. Oh, you mean the guy who scored the goals? <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. good, good shout. <laughs> I mean, what what was it quite was too pleasing. obvious for me? <laughs> Damn. Damn, it's a deep cut. What was what was quite. What was quite pleasing about Welbeck was that he got on the end of things, whereas I always think of Welbeck, um, you know, generous, very generously slow, so as like a good build-up player. But actually, both times he was doing kind of what a centre forward does. But you know, we're we're having we're having all these discussions about how unbalanced Arsenal's attacking. And again, to reiterate, I think all of us at some point have said to differing degrees that Mkhitaryan's the one that's got to come in. 
but um Iwobi and Welbeck um you know in the last week have made a made a fairly decent case and they're both players listen neither of them are as good as Ozil or Ramsey or Lacazette or Aubameyang but you know, Iwobi and Welbeck could stick their hands up and say, "Yeah, but I'll probably balance this front line a bit more than a bit more than they will. I'll do what I'm told. I'll play in the system. I won't go wandering." Um, and, and I'm not saying that's enough to get them in per se, but again, it it just it just puts a little question mark there for the manager. Sure. Yeah, look, look <laughs> Aubameyang's better than El Nenny, but if we needed a, a emergency defensive midfielder you wouldn't play Aubameyang there over El Nani. I mean you have to play the players that work in the positions that you need filled so now I'm going to send it over to you Clive and I have a very special question picked out as I alluded to Um, so I hope that you will listen to it this time okay (laughs) here it is Clive for the next two minutes talk about whatever's on your mind (laughs) (laughs) well let me let me start by saying Jay Emmanuel Thomas was the player you were thinking about that dropped down the leagues (laughs) Jet the Jet yeah yeah Yeah, he sure did and and yeah what's on my mind I think um I think Aaron Ramsey's on my mind, actually. Well, we're going to get to that, so no. You can't, I'm going to actually black that out, because that's coming okay, in, not, in in the much ballyhooed and anticipated section, too. Okay, so what's on my mind? I think... Um, from, I ideally from the Brentford game. <laughs> well, I was having discussions today on online, because I was traveling with work today, so a bit of Twitter time, and, um, and people were talking about what they're seeing and getting enamored with the system, per se. And I've been really pleased about what we're doing back to the basics of the game. And you've heard me say about the fundamentals of football. And if anything, what I think Emery's trying to do is really bring the basics back, bring the accountability back. And I can't wait to see this develop. I think it's the most important thing that's happened to our club for many a year where people are now being challenged. They're challenging each other. I'm seeing players shout at each other during the game in a way to keep them honest, to keep them at it. Not Mo- in the way Mostly Licksteiner, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, mostly Licksteiner. You go, they're the ones I caught as well. But isn't that brilliant? I mean, we've, we've all spoke about this. It's not unique to me. We've all spoke about this, the lack of accountability, people not telling each other what to do. When people make a mistake, no one's telling them. And, and, you, and if you look at our signings, all of our signings over the summer have brought personality into the club. And now we start to see that on the football pitch. And what really stood out for me, in this game was I felt and I'd be interested to see what Tim felt being in the stadium but I felt the players really cared about this game and they treated Brentford as, with the same sort of care as they treated Everton and I thought that was wonderful from a fan's perspective sure the can only I thing I'd t- yes you can just one second let me get this thought off my chest just super quick the only because the only thing I would take issue with there Clive is just the question of is there accountability? I mean, if he goes right back to playing Ozil right, Ramsey central, Oba left. Oh, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know, but it feels like the players are holding each other to account. The players, it feels yes. Like, it feels like I don't see so many players walking and not caring. So that tells me that the manager has put in a level of accountability, what's acceptable. When you're seeing Iwobi, who struggles for fitness in the last 20 minutes, making 80-yard runs back to make a, to block someone off or make a defensive challenge or just to block off a line, that, to me, tells me messages are being said. There's a new success criteria. This is what's acceptable in this culture. And more and more and more of the players seem to be buying into it. 
Yeah. That's how I see it. Well, and long may it continue. And I, I certainly think we're seeing the, the dawn of that for sure, which is which is important because, you know, Harson famously always talked about 11 captains on the pitch, but we didn't really see that. You know what I mean? I'm okay with there not yeah. being a captain and, and it really being 11 captains on the pitch if they're all leaders. Too often they all look like passengers. So I, I take your point. Uh, it sound, Paul, it sounded like you had something you wanted to add there and I also wanted to get yeah. your thoughts on, on Smithrow because I know you had, a, you had a couple of those as well. Yeah, I had strong feelings on, on Smithrow. On so this many point. things. Yes, <laughs> such strong, strong feelings. To Clive's point on, on the players in this game in particular – kind of showing up and and responding. This is the first game, I think, since Chelsea where I felt we were actively, consistently, formally pressing. Uh, and maybe it's something to do with the front three we picked of Awobi, um, Welbeck and Mkhitaryan, lending themselves to that kind of approach. But you could see a coordinated press, which in my mind we haven't done for three, four games now. And they struggled to um, keep the ball. I mean, there were times there where they, they just couldn't make the six-yard pass because of it. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be interested to... So that's very much on Clive's point, but I'd love to see what Tim thought watching it in the stadium. Was there a, a visible difference to the pressing as you looked down on it? Um, Not really, no. Damn it. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and your thoughts on Smith Rowe, since we've rubbished your first yeah, point? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the, Tim is, in retrospect, rubbishing this point because he didn't really go for this. But I did think there was a uh, a tangible, palpable difference with the Smith Rowe performance in this game versus other young things, fine young things we've in the past. There's a couple of players we have where they just look like their heads – you know, some sometimes you have it or you don't. And him and, for me, uh, Eddie Ankatia have this mindset that they belong from day one. And they have a bit of an attitude and swagger. Um, and as we're about to talk about a player that we're going potentially to lose from the club, whose key attribute is making runs into the box. I mean, my God, at the age of uh, 17, gone 18, he's basically at the same age... Uh, Pulisic was when he started playing regularly for Dortmund. I don't see why not. Maybe not quite why not at this moment, but in the very near future. This guy, I think it's a bit like the stats for conversions for strikers, where it's really about if they take enough shots, it averages out that they're all all strikers are basically pretty good, bar 10% of the top or bottom. And to me, that's Smith Rowe. The runs he makes into the box, the legs he has, the courage of the guy to get there on the end of it. Um, yeah, he, he skied one or two as he got into the box, but sometimes under quite a lot of pressure. Uh, I loved what he did. And yes, this could be just one more fine young thing, but I don't think he is. I think this guy's a different animal. And maybe sometime in the next 12 months, he'll start becoming a regular contender for playing for us. I mean, what's Gunduzi 19 or something? Um, so if you got the, your head screwed on right, and w- where I might have some concerns, not about Maitland-Niles' abilities, I think he's a brilliant footballer and athlete, uh, he might need a few more years before he really kind of get, gets the crosshairs for what you do in a football game. I think Smith Rowe has it. I think Enkatia has it from the get-go. I don't really feel that about many of our talented young players. I think he's the real deal within the next 
12, 24 months. The only problem with that, and I think you've kind of undermined it yourself, is if he is a different animal, he's going to really struggle to qualify to play in the Premier League once they discover that because I don't I don't know that that's even species, within the regulation. Yeah. species issue. Yeah, it's Those a species bastards. issue. If he's a different animal, the, he's probably not even going to be eligible. Um, so, Tim, there are times when I watch Arsenal and I think I must be taking crazy pills. Uh, there are times when people listen to me same. and they, they agree, yeah. Um, so we start with Leno. <laughs> who is the guy who's good with his feet, immediately tries to uh, air kick it into his own net, and then <laughs> spends most of the game going long. <laughs> so what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Please help me oh, understand. Yeah. So he, um, so what I quite like, actually, and I, I thought this uh, against Warskler, so uh, yeah, that, that first aberration aside, I mean, he's clearly more, he's clearly more of a, a footballer um, than Czech is, and... And I think the way you can tell that, first of all, is the way he always offers himself again for the pass. So I do think some of our defenders have been dumping check in it by giving him like really shit passes on his right foot. But at the same time, Leno, as soon as he moves it, he makes himself available. He offers himself again, which is, you know, just a, a little thing that check doesn't quite do. Um, the the thing I like about Leno's distribution is that he he knows when to go long. And the reason he knows when to go long is because um, the the thing he's got that Czech hasn't um, in these scenarios is that he's already scanned the pitch while the ball is rolling to him. With Czech, Czech has to like really concentrate on stopping the ball, controlling it, and then he looks up. Um, and that takes quite a lot of time as well, which usually means all his, his options are exhausted. Leno knows what he's going to do when the ball comes to him, and sometimes that means getting rid of it sometimes you don't have an option and uh i i i've actually quite liked that i think and i know it's it's something we're all looking for because we've all been told that um leno's very good with his feet and we've seen that that perhaps check isn't always um although i think that's been slightly overplayed but um yeah he's he's, he's a bit more natural just because he scans his options before the ball reaches him so as the second it reaches him he knows what he's going to do and you know that that second goal which which i think is the best goal we've scored this season um and that like really and it, and it's isn't it ironic that it's with our second string um that we really we finally get the kind of well no actually we we scored a goal didn't we playing out from the back against chelsea um so perhaps that's a bit unfair but uh, it was it was quite nice that it was like our second string who haven't really played together who who really got that kind of um, that really nice goal from back to front, and you know uh, Leno had a, a part in that because he, he he played a nice ball out to um, was it who was it he played it out Licksteiner. to Licksteiner that's it yeah yeah and the first ball into him from Ganduzi was a gem as well that was between two defenders so yes. I mean they really started it off with some balls it was the classic pull them into a trick. Exactly, yeah. That that was like the culmination of what we've been trying to do, and and Leno was a big part of that as well. So yeah, other than you know that that Czech esque aberration at the beginning, and 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 against Vorskar last week, I I think he's been really good with his feet. Yeah, here's a question then. Um, TV angles can be tricky, and sometimes you know I, I'm watching this on a stream, a legal stream. Thank you, law-abiding <laughs> citizen here. But uh, it, it can be tricky sometimes when a ball lands in a part of the net. Where you think, did he did he have a shot at that? I mean, do, do you have any thoughts mm. on his positioning, his reaction, his possible opportunity to save the free kick? It wasn't in the corner. I yeah, tell you that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I've, I have to be honest. I've not seen it again. 
Um, so I've really only got my natural reaction to go on at the time. But yeah, I did think that. I did think mm, that wasn't quite in the corner. And I was I was kind of behind it and diagonal to it. I didn't really have any problem. I don't remember having any problems with his positioning um, per se at the time. He um, didn't but, move. He was uh, until yeah. the ball was basically in the net. I mean, he just didn't exactly. see it. I saw, I saw Clive tweet there. about this. Yeah, Clive, you want to come in? Because I thought you yeah. made an, an astute observation on Twitter. So, so what you do when you're a goalkeeper? You, oh, thank you. You can, um, <laughs> you, you just, he just didn't see the ball. So he, he didn't position himself to position where he could see the ball being struck, and so he didn't move until the ball was past the wall, and it was too well struck a shot, so it beat him. I think he expect. I think there was an issue in the wall. I heard James talk about this last night that the Welbeck sort of turned away and it went past his head or something like that. I didn't notice that so much, but what I did notice was. He couldn't see the ball and it was struck. And as a goalkeeper, you have to see that. You have to see the trajectory early. And then one day you can make your move. And it was just too late. That's why it looked pretty amateurish, right? So although he's experienced at 26, he's still very inexperienced. And the, and the little details like that, he needs to iron out before he's our first team goalkeeper. Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, there were things he did well in this game, but probably, I mean, Tim, finishing with you, not a performance that will force him into the reckoning yet, right? No, no. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, so, Clive, la- last point on this game. We haven't really talked about him at all. The couple players we haven't talked about. We haven't talked about El Nenny, who I think in both of these games that he started has been very El Nenny. He's been fine, and fine is fine, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah. Lick Steiner has not really been fine. I have not been super impressed with him, and this is a player that at one point some people, not me, obviously, because I'm a level-headed, rational individual, but some people <laughs> were saying, you know, oh, you should be pushing Bellerin for time. I think these two performances have shown he's nowhere near that. Am I misreading that? What's your sense of uh, Lick Steiner? Yeah, I never thought he would push him for time, but I just want him to have 15, 16, 17 games. So I mean, have you, have you a, been worried, though, by what you've seen? or, or you know, uh, I mean, uh, No, because... He's how, how many games has he had since the summer? Maybe two or three? Two. Maximum two. And it's really hard when you're somebody that's used to playing quite regular to have to come in and hit the level straight away because the expectation of people is, well, okay, this is your chance. You've got to be at it immediately. And it's hard. You need that match fitness, right? And he hasn't got it. I actually thought, that there are a few players that didn't look so good in the Europa League that looked better last night. And Liv Steiner just looked a bit... He looked better. He looked more in the game. Once he's starting to talk, that means he's not thinking about his football. Okay, he's not perfect, but I, I still liked his presence. El Nenny, again, I thought was very, very average last week, but I thought he looked better. He worked harder. He pushed himself to exhaustion. And I, and I liked what... You can see a curve there, right? So, And you'll see that curve the next time you have a, a Europa game again and the depth of the squad will be there. So I, I'm not worried. I think his impact will be felt much like when Peter Cech first came in the dressing room and as well as on the pitch for certain games. It's interesting his comment today about fine details, work on the details in training all the time so we'll get back to our level. And I love reading stuff like that because that means there's a focus in the dressing room and they're working towards a target and they know as a group what the targets are. And we need people like him to change the culture. In my opinion, I've wanted that changed and I want to see less of what we saw before. This easy ozy run where you like attitude, which I don't like, and run when you like. This guy's going to keep us on a level. And, I, if, and Tim's a historian. He looked back into our, into our best teams of recent times. 
we always had a player like that who would remind people of their responsibilities, and, and I quite like it. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's close on this game by saying simply this. Me, stupid idiot, Aubameyang and Lacazette should be battling for our starting center forward position. You, galaxy brain genius, Danny Welbeck is our leading scorer. So <laughs> there you have it. Um, by the way, speaking of Aubameyang Lacazette, in case you haven't heard my opinion of this situation enough, over on The Athletic, theathletic.com, a wonderful subscription-based sports site, I am writing an article about Aubameyang and Lacazette. There'll be more of a deep dive, more level-headed, more based on uh, statistical performances, observations, things like that, on how we can get the most out of both of them, not just saying who should be the striker and who shouldn't, but what were they before they came, what are they now, what do we do to make the most out of a situation that should be a really good one, having these two extraordinarily talented strikers. That's on The Athletic. The Athletic is um, it is a subscription site, no autoplay ads, no advertising, period, no clickbait, no five things we learned from Mesodoso's summer in Ibiza, no no uh, transfer speculation and garbage. It's it's good writing from great writers. Uh, uh, James Gunnerblog is is writing uh, some Arsenal content there. Graham Hunter writes for them. The managing editor of Stats Bomb writes for them. The whole soccer coverage slash football coverage. I say soccer in this instance because they have football coverage, which is the NFL. But you get the idea. Uh, George Qureshi, who was uh, ran the Howler. So really good um, people there. Great writers. Great content. Over seven hundred articles every week put out. They cover all the sports in a way that a uh, few other publications ever have. We'd love it if you'd give them a try. You can go to theathletic.com forward slash vision, theathletic.com forward slash vision. You'll get a free trial. So right off the bat, you can read a couple articles, see what you think. Um, and then you get 30% off for that too. So, you know, I know everybody's subscription dollars stretch thin, but if you like reading good quality articles and no ads and no autoplay stuff, you have to go to The Athletic. They're great. So here's what we'll do. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll tell you about a little bit of beer. The best beer, the only beer, the beer you should be getting, Beer 52, of course. And then when we come back, we will talk about Aaron Ramsey and the curious case of the disappearing offer. But right now, it's time to tell you about our favorite monthly craft beer discovery club. In fact, it is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club, Beer52.com. You're going to want to go to Beer52.com forward slash vision right now. The reason you're going to want to do that is you're going to get a free case of craft beer. Free a free case of craft beer. You're even going to get a copy of Ferment Magazine and a snack. So you're getting all that for free. Just pay £2.95 shipping and you'll be upgraded to free next day shipping, which is great. Eight incredible craft beers, a magazine, a snack, no-brainer. And I know all about no-brainers. Trust me, I have no brain. In any event, this is a chance for you to discover some of the best beers from around the world. And right now you get to take advantage of uh, the Raise the Bar competition, Beer 52 search for the UK's best new small brewers in partnership with the London Craft Beer Festival. So you'll enjoy the likes of Unity's 7% Export Stout, Boxcar's Belgian IPA, and West by Three's Mothership with Passion Fruit. It's only available in the UK, which makes me very sad, but if you live in the UK, it should make you very happy because by going to beer52.com forward slash vision, not only do you make us happy podcasters, but you make yourself a happy owner of free craft beer. And so that is obvious. By the way, uh, one thing we love about beer52.com, they have a five-star rating on Trustpilot. So you know you are going with a very trustworthy company. Again, the most popular monthly craft beer delivery service. So take advantage of it. Beer52.com forward slash vision. Go there right now. Get your free case of craft beer. You're going to love it. Okay, now that you're drunk on Fantastic Beer, we can talk Aaron Ramsey, who is uh, maybe crying into his beer or celebrating with champagne. Who knows? Uh, because the news has broken. Arsenal had an offer, a four-year deal on the table for Aaron Ramsey, and we've pulled it away. We've just just decided, no, we don't want to give you that deal anymore. It's a curious situation. And, um, Paul, I'll start with you. The first thing I want to ask before we dive too deep into this is just 
what elements of the story ring true to you and not true? I mean, because Ornstein tweeted it out, because the BBC is reporting it, obviously, and Jeremy Wilson as well, who is very credible where it comes to Arsenal, there are some slightly less credible uh, reporters who are also reporting these same kinds of things. It does sound a little bit like agent briefing more than the club, but coming from Ornstein, it, it definitely has the veneer of credibility. Are there parts to this story that you don't believe? One one uh, tidbit that was in one of the articles is that there was a fifty million pound bid for him in the summer that we turned down. That is catastrophic if true, but strikes me as not true. I mean, what do you believe at this point, and what do you find harder to believe? Uh, so I have no idea about the bid in the summer. Uh, it's such a large amount of money. Uh, can't imagine we walked away from that. But I don't know about that piece. So that that that's one of those I'll park it and see how it matures as a rumor over the next couple of weeks. The piece, I mean, it's all rumors, so you don't know. The piece I believe as fact, um, but obviously we don't know, is the uh, 50 million, basically 250K a week offer on the table agreed by all sides because it's pretty easy for any side to deny that. Nobody's actually out there. Uh, poo-pooing this rumor at the moment. Um, So that seems fairly stable. And the scenario I have in my mind where that makes sense is Ivan Gazidis was basically for it because politically that's a good move and and he's a political animal. He's now stepping away and San Leahy becomes the man who's to live with this deal. And I don't think he pulled the plug on it. What I think he did was he walked over to Unai Emery's desk, poured him out a, a sherry and chatted to Unai Emery and said, how much do you like Ramsey? And then he said, yeah, but how much do you really like Ramsey? How do you want to spend your next 52 million pounds in terms of commitment of wages and salary? Um, ha, you w- know, wages give me salary. some guidance, Unai. Yeah, w- wage, yeah, wages and fees. Okay, never mind. <laughs> gotcha. No, I, I, I mean, tell you. Um, I'm, I'm always here I, for you. Paul. I think the two of them knocked it back and forward. And Emery, when when they say Emery pulled the plug, I would think San Leahy and Emery made the decision. There were better, slightly better ways of spending 52 million. And after six games, Emery's clear on what the Ramsey riddle is. And while he respects the player and values the player it also gives him a headache gives him a headache with having to play the player or not having to solve the midfield versus is he a number 10 versus do i push him out on the right versus what would i like to do with 52 million so i think that's what happened i i buy all of that and it still makes my head tingle and i i kind of want to squint and and drink something stiff because tim it it doesn't work intellectually. This doesn't work. We've had the player 10 years. We know him better than anybody. We know him so, so well. We had Emery come in and say he wants him to be the cornerstone. Am I supposed to believe that four games was enough for Emery to say, not only that I don't want him to be the cornerstone anymore, but to withdraw an offer that is on the table for a player we've had 10 years. We know who this player is. Sure, he may not be working at that number 10 position. It, it, it cannot be the case, can it, that four games of this season was enough for Emery to go to Salenhi, 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 San Salenhi, and say, pull the offer off the table. Help me see this in such a way that I don't have to have that hot tingling feeling in my temples. Yeah, I mean, there's clearly something else going on here. I mean, he's played Rams in what the last five games. Yeah. Um. So that that 
that's quite at odds at someone who then doesn't want a bar of him. Um, I, I probably, so first of all, I think we're getting this from one side clearly. And when you read the very first articles that went out, I mean, you know, obviously this has gone to, this has gone to like the whole Arsenal press packets, you know, it's the yeah, John, John Cross, Cross, Jeremy Wilson, Ornstein, Ornstein. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy Wilson, Sammy McBell from the mail. It's, you know, that basically that, I mean, they might as well have just handed this out at the press conference um, to everyone on the Arsenal beat. But if you read like the first story that went out from John Cross, I mean, it reads like it was written by Ramsey's agent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because um, probably because it was written by Ramsey's agent. Yes. <laughs> um, so so there's basically there's something missing here, isn't there? Um, because I, I must admit, when I first read it, I kind of thought, hmm, guy who um, has spent the last two years turning down contracts now um, somehow upset that there is no longer a contract on the table. Like, oh, come on, I was turning those down. This was fun. Like, Have you heard the you expression know, overplaying your hand, perhaps? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a bit like, well, you, if you're not going to sign them, you can't, you know, it's, it's a bit like um, you didn't invite me to your birthday. It's like you wouldn't have come anyway. But yes, but just invite me for fuck's sake <laughs> so I can turn you down. You know, it's it's so so there's there's some, some information missing. I I have to say I, I'm kind of um, I, I agree with Paul a bit in that. Um, well, more than just a bit that this kind of the fact that this is coming out you know, within a week of like Gazidis, I know he's still there, but he's basically working his notice. Um, you know, this, this coming a week after that does feel a little bit like, uh, you know, a uh, big row, um, flopping it out on the table and saying, I run the show here. Um, a little bit. I mean, uh, so do you know something about Rao I mean, that we, we need that you need to share with us? <laughs> but, Big, uh, big Rao's uh, getting little Rowl out um, God, fair, for fair a bit enough. of an airing. So, but but I mean, to be honest, I I don't really care about the politics and the machinations and all. I, I'm not really interested. I don't even really want to. I'm not even really that curious about how it's all shaken out. It's just what infuriates me is that what like why are we so 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 shit scared of selling footballers it's 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 absolutely crazy like look at who liverpool have been selling like the last few years and they're closer to you know they lost coutinho um in january they're closer to the title than they've been in 20 odd years because they used the money they got paid they used the money and i know we've been over this like a million times before but we just seem to be paralyzed with fear about selling footballers and we used to be so good at it we used to be so good at going oh you want to go to barcelona okay um give us 30 million you can fuck off and we'll find someone from Liga and for six million and I, like i know like um the landscape's changed and all of that i mean my reading of it culturally with arsenal is that arsene wenger got so so weary with the transfer market because he wouldn't accept any help but it was more than a one-person job that he just felt like I, you know, I, I must keep everyone because if I don't keep them, then fucking hell, I've got to go and buy someone, and that's a real pain in the hole. Um, you know, a, a phrase that really jumped out at me about two years ago when he was asked about Jack Wilshere's contract, and Jack Wilshere was like, 
at Bournemouth and, and you know they're asking him about selling him and he said no we must keep Jack Wilshere and then he was asked about Kieran Gibbs and he said we we must keep Kieran Gibbs no we must fucking not like they, they you know they were like squad players it's like you, why like there's and, and to be fair, you know, does listen, he, I'm gonna, do you have to kind of say we must keep them just because they're your players and you want them to hear that? I mean, I do. Yeah, maybe, but I don't know. I, I took it quite at face value, given we backed um, it up with be, our actions as the problem. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and, and by the way, I, I'm gonna, go ahead. Yes, yeah, sir. Sorry, I'm just going to I'm, I'm just going to make it like I know, you know, the economics is more complicated than this. But basically, look at what happened last year. We, we tried for some reason to hang on to Chamberlain till the death. But we used the Chamberlain money to buy a Bamiyang. Like what? better case could there be for sell high and go and fucking buy someone someone else and i i i felt like this summer was the right time for ramsey to go um you know mute, like completely mutually acceptable it was the right time for him probably right time for the club we're overloaded in that area we've got other areas of need we're low on cash because we've been really bad at selling players and i just i just felt like it was a bit of um a, a kind of a a gift horse we looked in the mouth and now we're going to lose him for free. We're not going to get any money in for him. And we are really, really going to struggle to get back to where we want to. If we keep wiping our ass on 50 million pounds and burning it like this. Well, and oh, by the way, I have to laugh because you're like, you know, we used to be good at selling. I'm like, we were great at selling when other clubs could force us to do it. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe that's what we need. We just need clubs to come take our players off our hands so we don't make our own mistakes. But Clive, I mean, we did this last season with Ozil and Sanchez. We let them both go into the last season. We didn't sell either of them. We paid the crap out of Mesut Ozil. We wound up swapping Alexis and that that's a, it looks like a half decent bit of business. But it's astonishing to me we wind up in this situation again. Maybe some of this falls at Gazidis' feet in the sense of Gazidis was driving the ship. Ramsey's important. He's important for our merchandising, marketing. He's part of the club. He's the fabric of the club. We got to keep him. We got to keep him. And then he fucks off. And then everybody else is staring at each other saying, well, I didn't want to keep him. Did you want to keep him? But, I mean, this has to get sorted out, doesn't it? You can't have players in the final year of their deal who are 50 million pound assets leaving for free or on swap deals or getting 300,000 a week because they have all the leverage every single season. I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm trying not to go on one of my typical rants that I just literally went on, but, you know, is, is this the kind of thing that you expected with Wenger departing and, and a backroom staff being put into place would get corrected? This is just a byproduct of the last regime, right? So this should have been dealt with a year and a half ago. And I know, you know, Tim's probably heard the same rumours as me, there have been contracts on the table for Ramsey for at least 18 months, I've heard. And um, and they've made many, many offers, and he's turned them all down. So there comes a point in time where you need to say, enough. And that point was probably in the summer. It may have even been last January for me. I don't get hung up on players, Elliot. You know what I'm like. So, Especially would... ones you don't like, like Aaron Ramsey. Well, I, I think we need to, we need to think <laughs> I'm about I'm just keep this. doing that like... bit until he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> we need to think about this differently. We need, we've got, we've got too many players that stay too long. Right, and um, and we need to be selling them at the right time. And you know, we can sell Patrick Vieira. We can certainly sell Aaron Ramsey. I mean, what are we doing, right? So, we're we're not talking about high level productivity here. I don't care what anyone says. Um, from a footballing starting aspect, starting to come out. He, <laughs> uh, from a footballing aspect, he has got talent. From a stylistic aspect, from a tactical aspect, and if we're talking about taking Arsenal to the next level, I don't. I've never felt 
that he was a pedestal player. I just felt he was a good player that's got good talent that needs a specific system. As a club, all of this just makes us look smaller. Uh, it just makes the whole badge look smaller. It makes us look vulnerable. Since we moved to the new stadium, we'd be, we were vulnerable for financial reasons. Then we had some money. And then, like anybody who has too much money, they do stupid things with it. And they take their eye off the ball. I think Wenger absolutely agree with him 100%. Did not want to deal with the sharks that are out there basically decided to keep the people around him that he liked and he made it comfortable. And this is just a byproduct of that regime. I think we've got two more players in contractual situations, maybe three, I think, Czech, will potentially go at the end of the season. I, I don't see Arsenal offering him a new contract, but he des he deserves to go on a free, and that's that's a good free. He's been he's been good value for us, and, and then we should prepare in the ground for the next goalkeeper. Danny Welbeck feels sloppy to me. Lots of injuries. He's in the last year as well. And Aaron Ramsey, this has been in the post for, for 18 months at least. So I'm not surprised. It's just disappointing. But what has been promising is there have been a number of contract signings this year from players that maybe not everyone was quite surprised they got extensions, which means we're modernising. I mean, just look at the Callum Chambers one, for example. None of us really expected that second contract. But it's there. That tells you there's a different regime that are protecting their assets I mean not many people are impressive on any well 50-50 shall we say but he's got a contract he's there he's an asset we've now got captured so things are changing but I'm afraid Ramsey Welbeck um, and maybe check up to a point are part of the, the legacy Arsenal and from now on hopefully we'll see a different team shape up yeah and let me stay with you just for a second Clive I mean remove withdrawing an, uh, an offer is a big move. I mean, I, I realize it may be, you know, the problem with a story like this is that offer may have been on the table and then taken off the table after he just stared at it for four months. I mean, like, let's put it this way. Let's say, Clive, I'm going to give you an offer. Um, you know, I'll give you $10 to come mow my lawn. And I put that offer on the table. And after six months, I haven't heard from you. And then I withdraw the offer. The headline could be Elliot withdraws offer. I mean, yeah. the offer that was withdrawn may have been one he was never going to take, but what do you think could have precipitated the decision to remove it? Is it an effort to say, okay, we're taking a clear direction now that we're moving beyond Aaron Ramsey? Do you think Emery was involved in that decision? It's kind of odd considering how hugely he talked about Ramsey's influence and the importance of it going into the season. I mean, for you, how significant is the detail of withdrawing an offer? And is that a clear definitive decision to move beyond Aaron Ramsey now? I, I'd like to think so. I think... Every from the moment we started to see Smith Rowe and Genduzi and Torreira come into our midfield, that's three players that really maybe six months ago we never thought we'd see on the pitch, right? So, and I didn't even know two of them they even existed, right? So, and now we've seen them. I'm not stressed about setting up our pitch. I'm not. I'm not stressed at all. We've got an 18 year old, a 19 year old, and a 21, 22 year old. And it's a sign of how quick things can change, right? I mean, you sign an 18 year old from League Two or 19 year old from League Deux, and suddenly four games in, you're like, "Here's the future of our club." Things change very, very quickly. You don't have to very go out and quickly. sign Verratti or Pogba to think your your club has changed. You know, very quickly. I'm always talking about this. I never get hung up on talent because I didn't know who Torreira was in 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 May. I just didn't know. World Cup, there he is. You see him, you think. He'd look good for us, and, and he's in he's in our team, and we all love him. Guendouzi, I didn't know who he was, and he plays he plays very much like a young Aaron Ramsey, 
the second midfielder, dashing player, lots of energy, positionally drifts to the right rather than drifts higher up. Similar errors, but, you know, he's, he's all heart, very energetic, a lovely flourish to him. What's there to worry about here? Well, what we need to do is show a little bit more maturity and plan this a little bit more. So for me, I'd like to think his position has been weakened by the new people coming around him. This made him not so valuable. It's, it's, and that, I think it's a football decision. He is not as well, well positioned and lost leverage since these players have come on board and performed to the level that they're performing. And Smith Rowe is only going to get massively better. His, yeah. his line of trajectory is so high. And, and my, my sort of personal favourite is, is Maitland-Niles and we're just forgetting about him. You know, when he comes into the scene, we've got another player. So from a football perspective, I'm not concerned. And we should be reinvesting what we should have got into other areas where we know we need upgrades. Except we didn't get anything. <laughs> well, we may, get, we may get something in January. Yeah. I think we will get something. Well, all right. So, so that's, let's finish with that then, Paul. And by the way, I mean, I will say that there may have been some of Emery here who said, you know, in my mind, I saw Ramsey being able to play the 10 and trigger the press and Ozil being fine on the right wing. That hasn't happened. We have a 350000 a week commitment to Ozil, who only seems to work at 10. So Ramsey no longer really fits what I'm trying to do. I mean, maybe there's something to that. I, I don't know. But Paul, I mean, how do you see this playing out? Signs abroad for free in January and just peters out his season. Maybe we work out a swap deal. I'd take Martial, I'll tell you that fucking much. But we work out a swap deal or, or a cut rate deal in January or or he goes for free in England um, at the end of the season. I mean, how do you see it playing out? Um, so I, I know we're all hung up on sending players to Europe, but they generally don't really want to go. I know he said something four or five years ago in a press conference, I think, for the Barcelona game because his star was high at the time and, and there were rumors circulating, blah, blah, blah. And he very politely said he'd love to go to and play in La Liga one day. But that was like five years ago when he was a kid. So I think the likely uh, buyers that are going to pay him what he wants, he's now settled with kids, are going to be somebody like a United. Um, now, maybe they once bitten, twice shy as we just... Uh, we screw them over on Sanchez, ha, ha, ha. So maybe that's not politically the most attractive option, but I would think... Everybody knows League, United just does whatever the agents tell them to do, so it's okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. So um, so I don't really know. I, I mean, it's a bit of a trade-off. You, how much can you get for a, a January sale when the guy's going six months later? We may well need him, uh, maybe not as our... a. a verified starter from here on in but certainly you know he's still a very useful player and if he's around he he's not the kind of guy who who uh is becomes toxic he's a good guy so i think he'll be part of the squad he'll be part of the options uh emery's got bigger fish to fry than than getting into any political yes. personal politics <laughs> that's the whole point of having a backroom staff he doesn't need to be in that you know yeah, and he, he has one big fish to fry, which is getting this team forward. He'll use whoever, you know, it, it, he might only have Ramsey for another whatever, seven or eight months, but that's a lifetime in terms of getting to a point where your position's secure. So I can see Ramsey been with us till the summer uh, because the idea that somebody will office, offer us big money in January, but maybe, 
But I mean, if they offer 20 or 30 million, that kind of comes out of his wages. So it's that old trade off there. I don't know. You'd need to have silly money like United for his fee, not to impact his salary, which is quite possible. So, you know, if it's if it's not United, I think he stays with us till the summer. Let's finish it on this, Tim. Um, You've talked a little bit about what the problems are at the club in terms of doing this kind of business. And I could not agree with you more. Clive has expanded on that. Could not agree with him more. Paul said some stuff too. Um, so, which, uh, which I could not agree, agree with, could not agree with more. more. Um, is what I meant to say. Uh, final thoughts here. Just to what extent are you disappointed that Emery hasn't so far? I mean, it's still early and he's not gone yet so far, been able to get the best out of Aaron Ramsey, who we know is a quality player. And how damaging do you think it is to lose this player who, I mean, whatever we think of him is filled with talent mm. and and has the ability to, on his day, be a match winner. I mean, how disappointed are you about that? I mean, he's listen. He's he's a hugely hugely talented player. One of my favourite players from the last ten years or so. Someone um, I personally invested a lot in from the beginning. Even when he wasn't playing that well, I always felt I saw something in him. Um, uh, particularly mentality-wise, and uh, I, I think I've been vindicated um, in all those uh, arguments I was having on the internet in about 2011, 2012. Um, and you know, he scored the winning goal in two cup finals. He's, you know, he's he's come back from an absolutely horrific injury, um, and you know, he he for me is his kind of place in the Arsenal pantheon as it as it were is is pretty secure just because it's time for a guy to go or he decides it's time or the club decides it's time or whatever it doesn't I, I feel like these days like everyone feels like they immediately have to start hating someone <laughs> as unless soon as you're Giroud kind of who happens. for some reason is Teflon he gets he goes to Chelsea and he, people still love my I feel like I'm taking crazy pills but whatever keep going but yeah, yeah. I mean, with Giroud, it was like Giroud had to play less to become more popular, and and actually, I think there's a kind of logic in that. Um, pe- people didn't like him when he was playing all the time, but when he kind of did what he was good at, which was coming off the bench, almost Fellaini style, um, you know, less is more with Giroud. But anyway, you know, um, so with with Ramsey, I, I don't I don't feel any like um, I don't think there's any need for any acrimony or anything like that. Um, it's just, it just it comes to a natural time. I felt the same with Chamberlain. Um, I I liked Chamberlain a lot. I don't think he quite developed into the player I thought he might or that he could, but it was fine. I, I didn't want to like threaten his family on Instagram <laughs> because he wanted to leave the club. And it's the same with Ramsey now. Could you, like, could you put no... some heart into it next time, Tim? <laughs> there's, there's like people in me, and it's uh, to to some extent, it's it's understandable. People are protecting themselves and stuff, and it's like, oh, I never liked him anyway. Or, but, but you know, it's it's just I think it it probably should have come to a natural end in the summer. Um, so, I, and in terms of replacing his skill set, I. D- I don't think we need to now. I think that's why it's time. I think when you've got, we're basically we're playing with two strikers now, aren't we? Um, whether we do that permanently, I mean, th- you know, things can change. We started the season with the Bamiyang, and and when you've got one striker, Rams is incredibly useful. When you've got two, I I think less so. Um, and again, I I don't. Basically, I, I don't think he quite fits with this kind of. If we're going to play Lacazette and Aubameyang, I think you need Özil there because you need someone providing the bullets. 
and and Ramsey doesn't quite fit in there. You saw it with the. I know it's a, it's a brilliant assist for Aubameyang on Sunday against Everton, but he's in Aubameyang's way. And then you look at Lacazette's goal last night, and he nearly like blocks the shot because he, he gets in, in Lacazette's way. way. Yeah, you know he, my he's, thoughts he's just, on this, mate. <laughs> I've been saying yeah, it for yeah. Ages, and ages. and listen. And listen, that that over time, that might iron out. But what the fuck is the point if he's going to leave at the end of the season? There is no point in investing the time in him working out how to play with Lacazette and Aubameyang when he's not going to be here in like seven months or so. So um, I, I'm not like disappointed in terms of because I, I was, even though he's one of my, my favourite players, I was all for selling him in the summer because um, I felt like it's what needed to happen. Um, but I, I don't feel any ill will towards him. I don't think he's done anything particularly wrong. Um, I, I don't necessarily even think it's massively his fault that he doesn't particularly fit in at the moment. It's just there's other guys doing what he does, um, and that that's not you know that's not his fault. It's not because he's an idiot or because he's selfish or anything like this. It's just all of his strengths, I think, are better accounted for. Mm-hmm. And, um, his, and his weaknesses are quite similar to other players in our midfield. Yeah. And, that, yeah. and, that's, a, and that's an issue. He's just a modern footballer, Tim, looking after his yeah. family, right? That's all he is. And he's trying to get the best deal for himself. I could pile in on him. If, you know, when are we doing that in the spotlight? Are we still doing it? Because <laughs> well, I, well, I, the, I the fans voted on. for Mesut Ozil, so I wanted to do it on Ramsey, but now maybe it's too late anyway. So it looks like we're doing an Ozil one. But also, Saddle like up. how, 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 like, um, just a final thought. How contradictory and stupid are we as fans that like we get upset when a player <laughs> sees his contract out? Like, oh, that's really disloyal. Um, you know, like pl- players can't win um, a lot of the time if they see out their contract, and obviously they do not. You, you know, you're denied a transfer fee. It's oh, you bastard. Well, Van Persie made damn sure he left a year before his contract ended, and um, yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone thinks that much of Robin Van Persie for doing that. So and the Hazard yeah. is, in, is in. He's got one year in the summer to go. Yep. And do you think he's going to sign a contract this year, or do you think he's going to use nope, that that's... to go somewhere? It's just, it's just modern let, football, mate, isn't it? It's, it seems yeah, weird yeah. to me that more and clubs don't do the, hey, we'll re-sign you for, with, a, with a release clause thing. I mean, you know, kind of the way Liverpool did it with Suarez. We protect the value yeah. of the asset, you know? The, the way sure, it, but the, the agent the has way? a say in that, that, and it is cutting into the players' wages. I mean, it is. it's all money. Yeah. The way to do it is to, is to do what May Knight have done recently and what we've done on occasion. We think we did it with Cazorla, actually. You, you, get, you sign someone on a three-year contract, but, the, and, but you have an option for the fourth year. And then you start to negotiate with one year to go, maybe. And then you say, okay, you're not going to sign. We're going to take up the option. That puts two years onto your, onto your contract, and now we'll sell with two years' value. And that's what you need to do. You need to do this when you're signing them. We're using options a lot more where you don't need to negotiate for the option because it's already part of the contract. Yeah, that's clever. Main night, so main uh, night to do that. I've got to say, though, or, or it's still all money. Deals. I mean, the agent then looks at that and says, well, actually, you're now using up some of our leverage on our side, so we want higher wages. So, it, yeah, you know, but, it works for a year or so, and then the other side, it, it's an arms race. The other side gets smarter. And they factor it in, so you know you, yeah. you, so you get a year when you're smarter than the other side. That's about it, I think. You, you know the solution to that: never get smarter. I find that is a, a flaw, a foolproof. Yeah, we're a plan. year behind. <laughs> never get smarter. Um, 
Okay, look, I think we should leave it there. Now, here's the thing. I did want to do a Watford preview, but then I remembered on patreon.com forward slash Arsenal Vision podcast, Tim does extraordinary previews every week for the Premier League matches. And not only did he do them, but professional graphics editor, Laszlo Fulop, does the graphics for them now. And they look phenomenal. And I'll level with you. We want you on that Patreon. We need you on that Patreon. You can handle the Patreon. Um, if you can't handle the Patreon, we still love you. And we, we love you for listening. If you can handle the Patreon, uh, then, then please sign up and watch Tim's preview uh, of the Watford match and, and every other match. And it's more Tim. And who doesn't want more Tim in their life? Um, coming in October, we will be giving away another Arsenal shirt. It'll either be Ramsey or Mustafi. Just kidding. <laughs> kidding i kid i joke it's what i do uh we have in the spotlight mesut Ozil coming up on the patreon and so much more uh we are having a ton of fun doing this and a ton of fun engaging with you guys on the halftime show that's been awesome we'll have one this weekend for the watford match uh assuming someone on this podcast is willing to come on and talk to me about it and hopefully it'll be five nil on the way to ten nil we always joke about the end of the pod that's coming up soon pause uh in my pants that's paul he's on twitter hello Woo-hoo. tim's on twitter stoberto thanks tim my pleasure as always clive's on twitter at clive P-A-F-C. You know what? I, I have been getting some hate mail more than usual. I'm going to do this again. Paul's Twitter handle is Poznan in my pants. Tim's mm-hmm. is Stilberto. And Clive's is Clive P-A-F-C. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much, my son. You're welcome, Dad. My name is Ellie Smith. You can block me on Twitter. Yankee Gunner. Give us five-star review. Five big stars. Five stars. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five full stars. And, uh, you know, we will talk to you after... Arsenal 10. What for now? Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.